The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all the ages, you, yes you, you special snowflake, are listening to a Radlich and Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and we've raised that flag especially high this evening. My name is Robert Winfrey and I am your host, and if you're listening, wondering, what happened to the usual intro? Well, unfortunately, we are down one Mark Radlich tonight. Uh, Mark is still dealing with some bronchitis issues, and... Turns out that when he went to go see the movie in question, which is Disney's Strange World, and if you haven't heard, if you're surprised that that movie exists, well, so is most of the general population, it seems, when we get to the money. He went to go see the movie, and apparently the projector broke down about halfway through it, so he, between, again, the bronchitis and not actually seeing the entire film, frankly, probably sa- probably saved him, because the back half of this thing is yeesh. Uh, Mark decided to, he wasn't going to be able to contribute all that much this evening, so he will be back next week for, uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night, sorry, Violent Night, went to a different Christmas horror-themed movie. So, instead, I have a couple of cohorts, so it's not just me talking to myself, I promise you. First up, from Honeysuckle Rose Creations, with a freshly redone hair color scheme, we have Alexis Haina. How you doing, Alexis? Mark got off easy. When I went to see House of Gucci, the projector broke on that as well. And I actually said, after like two minutes of downtime, I said, well, I don't think anything could save this piece of crap. And I still had to sit in on the review of that piece of shit. You had to, you had to process. <laughs> like that, 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 pod, that review was almost a therapy session for you guys, and I've been on those. <laughs> pretty much. It was mostly just us talking. It, it was our Oscar bait uh, from last year. And yeah, we were pretty much talking about it. It's like, the about how it's like so did anyone actually pick an accent for the whole crew or did they just tell everyone to come up with what they thought was a good italian accent most likely the latter also back joining us zachary strobel he was here for when we eviscerated disney's live action pinocchio from a handful of weeks back well zach i have to apologize because for the second time in a row on your appearance on this show we have kind of a turkey to dissect instead of something actually memorable but how you doing wait, wait wait he was on last week when we talked the wonderful seasons of mickey mouse and that was a positive review uh, that was was that a tv party more than a damn you hollywood well yeah it was my okay. show so again I'm, I'm referencing damn you hollywood in particular so but yeah i so hopefully you know one of these days we'll get you on a movie review podcast that is not about a <laughs> a giant turkey hello so how you doing doing all right I'm- over there I'm doing well at the bottom corner of the screen. 
It's it's comfy down there. That's usually where I reside. Yes, I'm holding you guys up. Look, I'm holding you guys up. Here is that oh, better? No, no. Oh, wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Everything's mirrored. It's a little bit awkward. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, tonight we are discussing Disney's Strange World. And before I get into the plot, we're not going to get too deep into the money just yet. I'm just going to say, look, this thing's bombing. This thing is shaping up to be the worst financial release in maybe Disney's history, certainly in the last like 20-ish years. Yeah, I was going to say, are we about to enter into something Wicked This Way Comes territory? I was going to go with the Black Cauldron, but fair enough. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is not going great. So before we get into this, I, I just need to ask a couple of things. One, any expectations you guys had? And two, did you... I saw like two previews for this thing when I went to see other movies over the last like two months. Like there's been no advertisement for this that I've seen. So anything that you guys had seen or heard about it as a general like ad campaign beforehand and what you again might have expected coming into this. So Zach, let's start with you. Well... You see, the thing about Disney is that I like that when they when they do it right, I like when they make me come in with no expectations. Like it, they did that with Frozen. They did that like where they didn't show anything of the princesses. I'm just gonna sorry. Um, about we're not that buttoned up here. You're good. <laughs> like they didn't show anything with the princesses. All they showed was Olaf and Sven. So I was like, what is this movie going to be about? Same thing with Encanto. And so it's like, so sometimes I feel like that works for like up in a positive way where it's like, they don't show us anything. Cause sometimes the plot can get very convoluted and they want it to be a surprise. So I think maybe they tried to do that with this and failed <laughs> miserably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did not see put it. I think I, I, I post this on Facebook. I was trying to promote this particular podcast and I wrote, you know, I think I, I think I put more effort into this podcast than Disney did in the entire ad campaign. You're not wrong. Uh, Alexis? We do love how much you've been advertising our stuff, Zach. Thank you very much. You're welcome. We need someone to do that. We don't have anyone, you know, designated to work SEO. <laughs> I told them they're all. This is going to be a quiz at the end, so they all were like, "Yeah." But no, I saw nothing from this thing. Alexis, I saw a couple trailers, teasers here and there, mostly on YouTube. Um, I saw a couple of ad banners that featured Splat, uh, like lounging on the title, kind of a thing. But, and again, we'll talk about this with the money. I was really shocked that I saw no merchandising campaigns with this. Every Disney film release, they always start advertising toys to go with their movies, especially when they're doing the heavy hitter Thanksgiving releases like this. I was expecting to see tons and tons of toy commercials especially on hulu because again i don't watch tv in general i watch streaming channels but hulu still has commercials hulu is now owned by disney i figured that would be where i'd be seeing all the toy commercials nothing i even went on to amazon and searched strange world toys there's a set of five action figures of the main characters there's a stuffed splat and there's one figure of ethan on his skiff and that's it. I couldn't find coloring books. 
I couldn't find like those those golden uh, books. You know, you you know what I'm talking yeah. about the like the ch- yeah. little children's. I couldn't find anything. I was like, I, I, I wanted to walk into this going, it's like, so let's discuss what happened when Disney doesn't give a damn. You know, you're not wrong. I mean, this is one of those. This is another one of those projects that um, Iger greenlit before he was ousted a few years ago, and. Well, he's back in time to catch the whirlwind, I suppose. Oh, this is all going on his epitaph. He is so getting the blame for this. As he should. So, our movie picks up. We follow a initially an explorer from the city country of Avalonia. This is, uh, he's got his own theme song. He is um, Jaeger Clay. Jaeger Clay! Yeah. We know nothing about Avalonia going in, which we'll get to when we talk yeah, about the craft. Yeah. Uh, but Avalonia, again, this city, country, like small, relatively small geographic region, is bordered on all sides by impassable mountains. Uh, as a fan of H.P. Lovecraft, I immediately went, well, we should just not do this, but okay. <laughs> and As a uh, fan of Stephen King, we'll find out later why that was a bad idea. That too. So Jaeger Clade has a son, Searcher, because uh, the, the writers Clade. because the writers for this movie subscribe to the idea that subtext is for cowards. It kills me that so many of the other characters have really unique, colorful names, and with Searcher, they clearly didn't give a damn. Yeah, uh, so they are on an expedition to try and cross the mountain peaks and find what lies beyond, because that is where the future of their people lies. We don't want to be stuck in this valley anymore. Let's try getting out there. And on this particular expedition, they stumble across a plant that has uh, power, like electricity power that comes out of it. Battery Brussels sprouts. Pretty much. Like if Brussels sprouts wanted to kill you more than they already do, it would be <laughs> these things. I mean, that seriously it was like, so they got Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Oh, they're battery powered. That was literally the way I phrased it in my head when I saw this movie. <laughs> Yeah, the the Energizer Brussel. <laughs> Brussel Geyser. That's actually good. <laughs> I like it better than what they ended up calling it. I did either of you get why they named it Pando? Because I Oop. They were very pandoring. <laughs> I'll give you that. That's not that that's accurate. They discover this uh, again, this Brussel sprout like thing that has energy coming out of it. And Searcher goes, you know, we should explore what this can do for us. And the rest of the expedition kind of goes, you know what? Yeah, this is a cool thing that we found. And Jaeger goes, but you don't understand. I must go to the other side of the mountains. And they go, but come on, man. We've been here for a while. We found something genuinely cool that might change things. Let's do this before we get lost and die. And he gives them a compass and says, fine, you guys go back, you cowards. I will soldier forth into the great unknown. And then we cut forward 25 years to find that this plant, they call it Pando, because unobtainium was taken, as was Pandora, because James Cameron's sitting there going, give me a chance and I'll sue you into pieces. <laughs> He's got to find some way to make sure Way of Water has a profit. Oh, that's not going to... Disney is sitting there going, you know what, this thing might have bombed, but it's not going to bomb that hard. Yeah. Uh, this... They've able they've been able to cultivate and grow this particular plant, and it is now providing them with power sources. They have used this to generate electricity, 
to make coffee, some some general approximation of what we would consider modern living. Not exactly, but pretty close. There's flight. It's more like hovering than flying, but it's uh, again pretty progressive. Twenty five years. Re you know, yeah, that, that's a very shockingly big amount of uh, jumping from horse and buggy to airships to coffee. All within the span of your lifetime. What a time to be alive. Well, everything is going well. Searcher is now married, and he has a kid and a three-legged dog. And he's struggling to, you know, like all fathers do with their teenage sons. There's a little friction there. Uh, not even just fathers and sons, just parents and teenagers in general. Like, there's always going to be a little bit of... And... Into this quasi-utopia is dropped the the ticking clock, the but the the box the of doom. No, you were right with the butt. The butt. <laughs> the the president, voiced by Lucy Liu, who could not have phoned this in any harder. They couldn't have phoned her character. I give credit to Lucy Liu not for trying, but for just trying to make anything out of a character that they clearly did not give a damn about. Yeah, there was... I don't think, I mean, there's there are certain times when an actor, it's like, yeah, they obviously didn't care, like when we reviewed Pinocchio. Yeah. But this was a time I was watching, it's like, I get the feeling Lucy walked in, and you remember that scene from Ed Wood? Wait, what's my character? Just go. Well, wait, am I like this? Am I like this? Just go. And she's just like, okay. I don't think she was given any direction on this. No, like, every lie, every reading of hers feels like it's her first take, and... <laughs> I don't know. Again, I don't know if that was the best they could get out of Lucy Liu or if that was just how little they cared. And again, I don't know, but it, everything she does feels like she's reading it flat out of the off the script. It's just kind of bad. But she is give, she brings them examples of this wonderful miracle plant that is dying. It's start, the, the, the blight is here. And in a few more years, it will suck all the oxygen out of the atmosphere, and we have to go find another planet to live on. No, wait, sorry, much better movie. <laughs> and then and, we get the plot drop that apparently all of Pando's roots are connected. It's just a single living deep, organism. And it goes super deep underground, which makes no sense whatsoever based on how they found it versus how they cultivated it. Yep, there. None of this movie makes sense, but we'll get to that. So they decide, like, well, we found a giant sinkhole, and we're gonna go down. And Searcher doesn't really want to, but for the sake of his family and his farm and his people, he will once again don the backpack and become an explorer. And his son goes, "Neat, I want to go." And he says, "No, you will stay here and be a farmer, like your father." Not an explorer like your grandfather. And he goes, oh, but dad, I'm a teenager. I want to do stuff. And he goes, no, you stay here and mind the farm. And he goes, and naturally the kid sneaks aboard the big airship that they're flying into the ground. Wait, are you saying there's a Disney movie with a teenager <laughs> that wants more out of life? I know. Shocking. I know, right? Wait up and the, uh, wait up and. <laughs> Apparently somebody found the corpse of the dead horse and decided to give it a few more good whacks. One must kick the horse when one passes it. They they fly down, and as they're going down into the earth, again, the mother shows up going, I've been trying to flag you down for four hours, but nobody's looking at the back of the airship. Your son, the son, Ethan, snuck on board, along with the dog, because the dog must come, I suppose. 
Right about then, things go bad in their trip. They wind up crashing through a membranous material, and they fall into the secret, the strange world, this bizarre other location with every where everything's alive, and some stuff is squishy, and some stuff is not, and which is which depends largely on what the plot needs. And it became obvious that the writers really just wanted to do Jules Verne's journey to the center of the earth. And somebody said no. And they said, okay, let's find a work around it. You're not wrong. Uh, they are separated during the crash. And while they're down here, uh, Searcher finds Jaeger, who has been living down here for the last 25 years. And Ethan decides to leave the crash site because rather the teenagers are making bad decisions. And he goes looking for his father he doesn't find him. He instead finds our biggest merchandising opportunity of the movie, a blue ooze named Splat, who at first leads old, leads our poor idiot teenager towards a bunch of quasi, you know, like tentacle beasts. They call them Reapers. Don't and, Google that. Well, you can, but I'd be very careful about who's around. Uh, eh, don't worry. They get shoved through the wash. That too. Credit if you know that joke. He is a leaf on the wind. We love you, Alan Tudyk. And we loved you in this movie. You didn't have many roles, but we love you. He's still the best animal character companion in Disney history. Because he's the chicken in Moana, for those mm -hmm. of you who don't know that reference. <laughs> uh, they, so they wander around, they explore a little bit of the strange new world. Eventually, they all kind of recongregate on the airship. Uh, there's arguments between fathers and sons, and grandfather meets grandson, and that's, you know, because Ethan has a bit more of the explorer kind of zest for life than wanting to be a farmer. There's conflict there, and they... They start flying, and the problem that they've run into is um, Jaeger had been down here, and he'd wanted to keep going, but he stumbled across a giant sea of acid, and he couldn't get across it. Now they can kind of fly across it, and with a little help from Splat and classical music, because everything's better to classical music, Splat in gets some of the other random things that exist around there to help them, and they fly across safely. They continue their journey to try and, again, find the the heart of all these pando things, which they eventually do. And they see a bunch of other stuff that's fighting it, that's attacking these this giant root system. And it's these tentacle beasts called Reapers, and it's these flying things, and they're all kind of fighting it, trying to attack it. And they realize pando's not being attacked externally. There's nothing wrong with it. It's... Re it's diverting resources from where it's been on the surface to down here to try and fight off the attack from all these horrible beasties. So they develop a way to try and spray down uh, crop dust these things to keep the pando safe. But Ethan, being the intuitive little pain in the butt that he is, thinks, no, this isn't really a good idea. I don't think this is a good idea. And he gets into something of an argument with his father over this. And they wind up flying away and going on a little bit of a walkabout. And they wind up outside. They have passed all the way under the mountains. They are now outside of this, uh, uh, this location. And they see the ocean before them for the first time. And they're not immediately awed by it or wonder what an ocean is, as they would. Because 
no sense of actual world building goes on here. No and sense they, of how they got to Avalonia in the first place. I'm I'm gonna go on a rant about that. Just give me a sec. <laughs> they as they are outside, they turn around from looking out at the ocean to look back at where they came from, and they see a giant mountain and a bunch of trees, and then a giant eye opens. And they realize, oh, it's a giant eye. Wait a minute. We've been living on the back of a giant sea turtle like some bizarre mythological <laughs> setup brought to life. So wait a minute. If that whole thing is alive in there, then maybe the pando is bad. And it's just a, and what's happening is the natural immune system of this giant creature on whose back we live and who is responsible, therefore, for all of our lives uh, needs to fight it off. Maybe that's what we need to do. And they go, you know what? That sounds about right. So they all fly back in. They tell everyone what's going on and everyone else goes. Well, Jaeger goes, why did you steal from me my glory of being the first human to pass beyond the mountains? That was my thing. And he's sad. And everyone else goes, you know what? Pando makes our lives easier. And it's kind of important. So, no, we're going to go through with the plan to kill all these things. And with a little, they escape. They stop the, they, of course, stop this. They're able to prove what's going on a little bit. Uh, Jaeger and Searcher somewhat reconcile as they're able to break open some of the giant pando thing that's caked around the heart. Because it is this creature's heart, not just any old heart. Uh, they lure all the uh, they lure all the other evil beasties, which are actually, again, just the immune system of this creature to it, to this opening they've created. It's able to destroy the evil cancerous pando. The creature comes back, somewhat comes back to life as its heart stops beating momentarily before being restarted. Everyone flies outside so that Jaeger gets to live his moment of being outside of the mountains. He realized that he'd rather be with his family. Is this great moment of, again, predictable moment of character growth. They all head back inside, back to Avalonia, where we flash forward another year. And now Searcher's farm is a regular farm instead of a pando farm. And all the young hipsters are making expeditions into the core of this thing to pull out the remaining uh, pando roots and do stuff with that. And they're trying to find a way to live more harmoniously with nature. They're developing wind technology. Isn't it just grand? And isn't everything just better? And then we pull back to see just the giant continent-sized turtle as it idly exists on the surface of this, and what I would assume is entirely otherwise water planet. And this is an opportunity. I thought it would have actually been really cool to see multiple turtles. That would have been cool. There's a lot of things that would have been cool about this entire thing. And th this is, again, this is where the movie ends. And I hate so much about the writing of this thing. Just so much. But I don't need to monopolize all of this. Alexis, let's start with you. The good, the bad, the otherwise. What do you got? The only good thing, there was one, only one scene that made me laugh in this whole movie, and it's the scene where Ethan is trying to teach Searcher and Jaeger how to play the card game. Because as anyone who has done tabletop <laughs> gaming and has tried to explain the rules to somebody of another generation knows, that was captured accurately. <laughs> All right, I kill it. You can't kill it. I've got a weapon. I kill it. Okay, can I just, you can't do this. It's like, oh my God, that was just... I've lived through that moment and that genuinely once. made me laugh. Yeah. More than once. My mm -hmm. brother, uh, we play a lot of board games here and yeah, I've, I've had that experience. No, this is how Carcassonne works. Please. But, uh, don't make me explain it again. <laughs> Can I do this? No, you can't do the, 
is. That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the one good scene. This movie is a giant pile of wasted potential on every frame. We have great voice actors who have done good work, who are given very little direction with the exception of Jake Gyllenhaal, I think is the only one who delivers a decent performance out of all of this. Oh, his, I should have known this movie was going to bomb when I, I didn't look up whether or not who was the, who was cast in this. Jake Gyllenhaal in your lead is never a good sign for your movie. He's a fantastic actor. Let me be very clear. Fantastic actor. But if he's your lead, that never bodes well. What about Nightcrawler? That was a great movie. Fantastic actor. Again, fantastic actor. But the movie didn't do well. And it had all kinds of problems. <laughs> now, so many of the other actors feel like they... Again, I, I talk back about my Lucy Liu thing. I've heard Lucy Liu do other voice acting. She's not terrible. So I'm just sitting there going, it's like, okay, you either were given no notes on this character whatsoever, so you had no idea what the hell you were doing, or you just did not care. I don't know which. Pick one. The animation, as always, is gorgeous. But there is not enough world building to get into any of this. And this is what kills me about the reveal that they're on the turtle, is that the concept that these were like, it was like, I mean, realizing that those little jellyfish things were the blood cells. The Reavers are the white blood cells. It's just, there is so much to dissect there. And I thought that is fascinating. Why couldn't we have watched a movie about that? I would so <laughs> yeah. much rather get into that kind of stuff. The story is cliche. They At don't best. know whether or not they want to focus on the father-son relationship thing being their main focus or the environmental being their main focus. Side note, I am begging, let us not turn this into a discussion about environmentalism and wind turbines. Only in a, my only complaint about that is going to be as a writing construct. I'm not going to get into individual policies and politics about it. Okay. I just don't want to open that can of. Yeah. 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 Like I said, everything about, I mean, there were so many things that just, I felt like they were thrown in for no reason. Especially why the dog had three legs. Ah, it killed me. Like, th that one kills me because if you're going to make a point that your dog is missing a leg, okay, why? Yeah, and a lot I of shots. I was just like, wait, am I just not seeing this? I Seriously, for a while, I thought I was just looking at the screen wrong or something. Or my 3D glasses were malfunctioning. I, I, I am not meaning to tweak anyone's nipples, so to speak, with this one. <laughs> but... They threw that dog a disability just to have a disabled character, I feel. Like, there's there's no explanation for why the dog has three legs. It just, it has three legs. And look, it's a dog. It's an awesome dog. I actually want to know why the dog has three legs. And the fact that there is no answer for that other than the writers wanted to do it is pretty damning. And none of the other characters have any real, well, character. Jaeger, Searcher, and to a lesser extent, Ethan are the only ones who actually, and even then, their char their characters are cliche. Meridian, uh, Searcher's wife. Is it, she's that, she's that character that Mark and I complain about frequently. She's just the bestest wife ever, isn't she? She can do everything. She's super supportive. She doesn't have a crossword to say. Like, and it's, uh, it's annoying. Like, that's not a person. Yeah, Nobody's like the only that. thing she says is about how she supports her family. 
the rest of the cast of the the rest of the crew of the ship that final scene where they're all standing on the deck and they're looking up at the eye i couldn't tell you who half those people were if we'd even seen them at all there were other people on there yeah yeah we Ooh. get uh lucy Lou's character we get i think there's like a second in command cap character there's that geeky black guy who makes I the i want a merchandise line which we all agree uh, we wanted to just stab him there's apparently i was looking through the cast there's a character called lonnie redshirt and it's not the pilot who gets eaten well that, that just, was someone different okay that just seems like a mistake <laughs> Yeah. The, the one character death your entire stupid movie and it's not the guy named red shirt come on yeah i know right red herring <laughs> <laughs> shut up fred <laughs> uh, you know i i just don't know what disney was trying this movie felt lazy it just felt like they had thrown the most minimal effort into making this movie into advertising this movie into merchandising this movie it really felt like disney did not care at all it, which is ironic considering how much this thing costs this is what 180 million dollar movie uh and i'll find out hang on i'll share the screen oh, no, i got it hang on oh okay cancel at 135 to 180 somewhere in that range like you spend that much money you shouldn't be half-assing it i mean we'll talk about this a little bit later but did they not throw any money into this because they thought it was going to bomb? Did they, they were, not throw any money into this just because they didn't care? They were going to, but they decided it was very cold out, so they burned some of the money, and then they had a big lunch. That's my um, own... I would accept that logic. <laughs> so, yeah, what do you got, Zach? Like, again, give me the good, the bad, the otherwise, your experience. <sighs> well... In my honest opinion, no. Uh, I don't know. I just, and this is kind of a trend with a lot of, I feel like Disney, again, I feel like they're putting too much creative and like effort into like their, their own, like their, their bought properties like Star Wars and Marvel. And I feel like they're not putting a lot of effort into like the ones that got them all this money to begin with, like, like with Pixar and, with especially Disney, like this, because without the Disney features, like Snow White, we wouldn't be expected to like them to pay for all this Star Wars and Marvel and yeah. stuff like that. And I feel like if I had to describe this movie in one word, I would just say standard. Everything is standard. It's like, I honestly think it was good enough. I didn't feel like it was great. I didn't think it was bad. I feel like, but the thing is, it, it's, and I would accept that if it was like Illumination or free Spider-Verse Sony, but it's Disney. It's, there's a quality to it. And I feel like, so if this was just like any other movie from any other studio, I'd be like, okay, you know what? This, that's okay. It's a good step forward. But it, it just doesn't cut it with Disney. I'm sorry. Like, especially how, like, like anyone who's seen the soapbox knows how, like, how, like, like, how, like, intense they are, like, with their writing. And I feel like, why did they let this slide with all these characters? Like, I don't know. I feel like the father and son dynamic where it's like, oh, son, it's like, we must achieve our dream. No, dad, that's your dream. <sighs> 
like that. It's I just feel, and they do that so much. They play that someone card. Fi- someone finally watched Varsity Blues, I guess, and decided it needed to be in a Disney movie. <laughs> I know, and it's like I'm glad they get more of the cliches out at the beginning of the movie, but it's just like cliche after cliche. I mean, like, dude, come on, it's it's got to be. You got to try harder than this, especially since the an- I mean. The animation can only get you so far. It really can. Even the animation is, I'm sorry, this world was not strange. Zero out of ten. It was not, no, I don't know, I'm not that harsh, but I'm just saying it got more, like, it got more clever as it went on, especially with the reveal of the turtle and and it being an organism. And, like, I feel like that was clever, but I didn't feel like it wasn't, I mean, that's not even super original either. I mean, we, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I just felt, I felt let down, man. I'm I'm not, I'm just, it's not like I'm angry. I'm just disappointed. And also some of the character designs, uh, just, I feel like with those, because I feel like they're, I call them feature eyes where we're like in Aladdin, like, like when they have kind of like Barbie and Ken eyes, I call those kind of feature eyes for the characters. Like Kristoff from like Frozen, he has those eyes and characters from Big Hero. I feel like for this, they kind of gave everyone, like all the male characters kind of like Mickey Mouse eyes where they're kind of like ovals. Mm-hmm. I feel like it worked for Ethan and Jaeger because they're very animated characters, but it just looks so stupid on Searcher. His face. His like, stupid yeah. face. His face is a lot more narrow than the What's other What's wrong with your face? Scotty's father's huge nose, and it takes up way too much of his face. Yeah. What's wrong with your face? It actually looked kind of in 2D in that brief uh, little opening comic thing that we saw when we see them animated in 2D style. Yeah, that's fine. It didn't look too Yeah, bad. it's a t- it's a definitely a 2D thing. It's a it's aesthetically pleasing in 2D, but I feel like in 3D, it, it just... Yeah. It has to be the character. It has to match the rest of the character's face. Like, it, like again, it works with Ethan because he's very animated. He's got a very expressive face. It works with Jaeger because he also has, like, a big mouth and a big nose. Giant so a searcher who – they could have just put regular eyes on him. I mean, it wouldn't sell home that he was his son or it would skip a, skip a generation, but he just looks – he has a stupid face. I'm sorry. I, I know that's a big rant. It's a big personal rant, but uh, he has a big stupid face. And also, Searcher. It's like really Searcher. Yeah, it's it's not a great name. And can we talk just how for a movie called Strange World, the world building on this film is non-existent. Utterly, utterly gone. Like, especially with that reveal at the end. Now, I had a few issues with some of the. Um, if you pay enough attention, there's a there's a lot of context clues about what's going on before it actually happens, and I, I I don't mean that as a negative. If you look at the Reavers, like if you look at them and you look at um, like photos of white blood cells, suddenly the inspiration of what they do becomes very very apparent. The little like flying pterodactyl things uh, mimicking uh, antibodies. Again, there's there's some uh, sorry, those aren't antibodies. Those are ah, I forget the name. Crow bodies? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, forget, I forget what they are. Forgive me. But the, they also kind of assist in that same process. And you can start to see the uh, where they drew artistic inspiration from. You know, the 
the larger jellyfish being blood cells. Again, you look at them, they look like red blood mm -hmm. cells when you see, so you can start to pick up on what's going on if you pay enough attention. Again, not a negative. But it does raise a ton of questions that just ha the only, they only have one answer, and that's because the writers are stupid. So let's start with the obvious. How exactly did humans develop in this location? Did we arrive from another planet? Did we just forget that we arrived from another planet? Did you we see on the seventh day? No, I'm not going to go there. I don't. Look, I'd accept that. Okay, did we evolve? Uh, if we did evolve naturally, why in the world would a geographically isolated uh, turtle bio, biodome homogenous location create a diversity of ethnicities i think this was also a drawback in the advertisement the none of the commercials let us know where this strange world was they just yeah. talked about how they were going from point a to point b point b being the strange world i walked in feeling like so is it another dimension is it another planet? Are they going into outer space? Is it journey to the center of the earth? I, I feel like they really should have given us some grasp of, I mean, obviously they can't totally do it without spoiling the twist. And maybe that's just a sign that this, the writing in this was terrible, but I feel that going in without having a clear sense of where Avalonia was in juxtaposition to how we would, you know, experience it is a major downplay because it takes us further out of the movie. Yeah, and to the again to the point, like you want to have a diverse cast of characters. Cool, I don't, I don't care. But if you're then going to tell me no, we're on an alien planet where everyone lives on the back of a turtle in a square in a square mileage that's roughly the size of like the state I live in, I would assume. Like, okay, so why exactly do we have a Polynesian, a white guy, a Native American? Uh, a black woman, like the diversity human, quotas again, like, and that's the only answer because you know human ethnicities develop because of geographic requirements. Like that's why we all, that's the long and the short of that. If everyone lives in that same place, and that same place is in that same place, everyone should look the same. If we go by strict world building. But no, you're absolutely right. We should. I mean, again, I don't want to nitpick a Disney film. It's like they just put, you know, a black person for the sake. I'm not going to be that person. But you're right. By the argument, it doesn't make sense. It, again, like when they were having when you have a very diverse cat, when they had the very diverse cast, my only question at the time was like, OK, how did all of these different people wind up in this very centralized location if they can't get out? But OK, I'll go along. Maybe there is, you know. There could be explanations for this. And then the explanation we get just makes no sense. It's actually very, very stupid. So that bothered me. Here's what annoys me the most about the, especially the ending of this. I don't hate that the movie has a point of view. I don't even hate that the movie is environmentally positive. Like, right? This is not the end of the world. If that's the strange the, if world. That, yes. If that's the tact you want to take for your writing, if that's the point of view you wish to kind of go with, cool. I don't care. I want, that's fine. 
What bothers me is you then create an entirely fictionalized, very narrow set of circumstances wherein your proposed solution to the to real world problems becomes the only answer, and it's absolutely not applicable to the real world. It's real nice that all of your Pando technological crap it wasn't powering a hospital, right? Right? Real nice that you didn't have to worry about that. Because otherwise, you nuke all the Pando and suddenly everyone's... How many life support machines go off? Now, you don't want to think about that. You just want to say, no, we should be living a certain way. And again, you want to make those arguments. You, If you want that to be kind of the point of view for your artistic piece, I'm okay with that. Knock yourself out. But don't... like You're getting real preachy on subject matter that you are not equating appropriately. I hate this as a writing trope. And couple of writers do this all the time. Uh, Ayn Rand does this all the time. Uh, actually, for part of the Ender's Game, uh, for Ender's Game in particular, and for part of that whole trilogy, Orson Scott Card does the same thing. You have a thing you want to explore or an idea you wish to put forth, and you then artificially create a an almost comically narrow set of circumstances by which your answer is the only answer. We have to stop using Pando because if we don't, it's going to kill the giant sea turtle that we're all living on the back of. Well, boy, when you put it like that, doesn't that just seem so much simpler? Yeah, except one, you're dealing... And it is, for the sake of your story, it is very, very simple. And knock yourself out. Don't pretend that you've actually made a point as it relates to the real world, because the real world is infinitely more complicated. Uh, and again, this is not even about whether or not I agree with your point of view. I enjoy movies that disagree with my general point of view about stuff like this all the time but you can be you need to acknowledge some of the complexities here because this is a very complicated issue and no one likes to talk about it in those terms and that's unfortunate because it just makes all of us dumber it leads to stuff like this i mean for crying out loud this movie almost makes happy feet look a little bit su subtle it also kind of bothered me. I mean, obviously you don't want to kill another creature, but you would think somebody would have at least said, well, if the sea turtle dies, it dies. Or it's like, well, I don't think that's going to affect Avalone or something. Because I mean, there's so many questions that rise up about this. Okay, if the sea turtle dies, do we all perish? Does it sink? Like, is the ocean deep enough that it would sink and submerge and kill us all? If it does, then why isn't the sea turtle going down any deeper at any other point? What does that thing even eat? How does this giant organism sustain itself? How do you explain to people that it's like there is nothing beyond our village, that we are just always going to be here forever and there is nothing to go out to? There's a level of existential dread in the idea that this little country is all there is. I, I love, and by love, I mean very sarcastically love. <laughs> That, you know what? Yeah, we can't use this thing that has made our lives infinitely easier. Uh, and everyone's okay with this. Like, I'm sorry. I, I know this is a, again, we're dealing with a small, you know, something about the size of a, one of the, the average size of a state here in the United States would be my assumption. I mean, to be fair, they've only been do using Pando for like 25 years. I mean. Yeah, it's not like we've built a significant amount of infrastructure. I mean, I have VHS like... tapes that are older than that. So, I mean. He does. <laughs> he collects VHS tapes. Yeah. I've got, I've got some too. I've got a, 
Uh, what I, my computer might be older than that. I have a computer that might be older than that, actually, now that I think about it. You know, they never explain what they do in Avalonia either. I, the, I know. the only parts we see are the farm, and I'm guessing it's kind of like a town center where the statues are. I was, I was saying, it's like, so what do you do in Avalonia? What does everyone else do? What What's the... What do you yeah. do for work? Yeah, he, calls it a, he calls it a utopia at one point. I'm like, okay, but like, you can't just throw that out there. Like that, that's a statement that needs to be supported. What's the system of governance? You know, we know that Lucy Liu's character is in charge of everything. How'd they arrive at that? Like what we have at least seen, like when the scene, when they're flying through the city, could we have seen some other businesses? Could, could we have, have seen nice. maybe a school? We no, don't have no. to spend a lot of time on him. It could have been a good montage. I mean, the opening sequence, uh, the opening song, rather, in Beauty and the Beast is a better job of establishing how that town works than this does for its, in theory, very, well, you know, like you mentioned, the, the, the cosmic horror of we're it and it's, and the entire world is this, you know, what, 200 square miles, give or take? Uh, I, I mean, it's probably bigger. I was going to say, is it, I, that, I gonna say did they get beamed there by that one kid from the, the Twilight Zone who put everyone in the cornfield? That's not, a, that's not a city. That's a club, a turtle club, if you will. And I believe they are all turtly enough. Sorry, I had to make that joke one time tonight. You are the only. Sorry to cut you off, but that was necessary. Hmm. You are literally the only human being I have ever heard reference that movie now. I have that movie on VHS, so see, it's of all time together. Too. <laughs> I got it for $2. I know. I, what a steal. You overpaid. I saw that movie in theaters solely because of how much I love Dana Carvey's stand-up. You, I assume you asked for a refund. Of course I did. Did you get it? No. Ah. <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah. So I think, I think here's my other gripe with this movie, and this is a technical thing. I don't like the character design. It feels, it feels cartoony in a bad way. Like this is this is an unholy mix of cartoony and realism that doesn't blend for me. So I I just don't like looking at it. I like some of the ideas for the representations that were going on of you where we are in the body, but the colors are not bright the colors are not vibrant enough for what they're supposed to be representing like if these are if this is like healthy lung tissue that sh it should look it should pop more than it did like this this didn't this didn't really wow me visually when that was clearly a pretty big part of what they were trying to sell here and was the word you were looking for retroviruses might have been like I, I have been throwing back. No, no, no. That's... I, I barely passed anatomy, and I have been painstakingly trying to remember everything that helps the body fight infection. It might have been that. I mean, I, again, I almost said antibodies, but splat's an antibody. Because if you know what antibodies do, they mark things for white blood cells to attack. And that's what these things do. They find stuff, and then they call over the reavers, and the reavers destroy the invasive material. That's what white You know what kills me? Do. Splat actually has more character than anyone else in this movie. The fact that they want to merchandise, it's like, they, they should have. But they didn't. Yes. Splat was actually a cool character. I like Splat. I thought he was a ripoff of Morph from uh, Treasure Well, Town. he is, but he's still... A ripoff could still be cool, okay? We're going to get into a Deadpool Deathstroke uh, argument here. 
Yeah, but neither of those are cool. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Deadpool, um, I hate this trope in writing. My last grip about the writing of this. Acknowledging that your writing is bad doesn't make it good. So when you have a scene, well, one, again, we kind of mentioned this. There's a scene where a character on the ship meets Splat for the first time, and he his, his line is literally, I want to merchandise you. And it hasn't... You are breaking the fourth wall here for no good reason. Because this has no context. Your entire, like, country doesn't seem to have a merchandise economy in that respect. The character makes no sense. I thought you, from the trailer, when you see that character, you think he's going to be kind of like Olaf? Yeah, that would have worked better in, like, a Frozen movie than, uh, I mean, it would have been more out of place in a Frozen movie, but it would have made more sense and it would have been funnier. Yeah, but I, I mean, there's so many marketable characters in Frozen. Like, not oh, even yeah. just Olaf. Like, well, pl- like plus that- Olaf. Olaf's a goofy enough character that you, you need someone like that who's an established goofy character if you're gonna if you're gonna poke the fourth wall like that. And Olaf could make it work. Yeah, or the genie. Oh, genie! All the genie broke the fourth wall all the time. Like his entire bit at the end that made you look is just. <laughs> he took it with him. He took that fourth wall with him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But I could see Splat being used for, I don't know, maybe a uh, short on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Or a, a short before the next Disney movie kind of a thing. Again, I think the character could have worked if the movie was better. I think we could have had potential for a marketable character. Yeah. And again, on the writing front here, it's possible to write a movie without an antag- without a villain. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. I that to argument they had. Again, okay. that's oh. them just trying to preempt criticism because they know their movie sucks. But but we addressed that it sucks. No, it still sucks. I like that it was like a twist villain. I was like, I'm waiting for that twist villain. It's you can't fool me this time. You it can't fool me. It could have been a twist villain if they it had was. actually there given was a that character villain. any character. It was Again, a twist. Villain. Yeah, and then it was like, I'm not a villain anymore. Sorry. Yeah, it's like, wow, you really didn't take any convincing on either side. Yeah, it's... Again, you can... Mark and I had this discussion about uh, Ivan the Great, I believe was the name of the movie. Um, That movie about the gorilla uh, starred Brian Cranston. Oh, God, I actually reviewed that piece of crap. So it wasn't Ivan the Terrible, I guess. No, that's another Ivan. No, this is a this was a film about supposedly about a true story about a gorilla that was in captivity that was put on for a strip mall circus. Mm-hmm. And it was the voice of Sam Rockwell as the gorilla. It was Brian Cranston as the ringleader. And if you actually had done any research, you would have found out that the ringleader was a jackass. Well, who regularly was, abused his animals. That was the point that was that was the point that was being made when we talked about it was in the in the novel, the ringleader again, the, the Brian Cranston character is a mustache twirly villain. He's a snidely whiplash, easily. Yeah. They don't make him that in the movie, which is fine. Again, you can you can do this, but you still but Ivan lost uh it, it lost something to overcome in the in the course of that movie and it was a pretty big issue that we had with it here again you have a pseudo twist with lucy lou's character going no we're going to save our way of life and then 
two minutes later, it's over and there's no repercussions for anything. And it just, it helps that they have something of a goal. So the, the world theoretically becomes kind of an antagonist, but when you're ping-ponging all over the place with your emotional tone and with your, you know, what are we focusing on here? You'd kind of need a unifying force to drive things forward. And this movie doesn't have it. And I'd like to think at least someone in the writer's room knew they needed it and had to acknowledge that, well, if there's no bad guys, again, you can have a good story without bad guys, but it's hard to do that. And you people were not up for the challenge at all. I will say this, the, the kids in the audience that I saw it with, they were like little kids. Cause I, I mean, Disney film with kids yeah. in the audience. I mean, oh, sure. not 30, 40 year old men like us, people like us. But uh, anyway, they were, I mean, they were having a good time. I mean, when I think I, I think they were funnier than the actual movie, to be honest. Like there was like, like when they were falling, they were like, oh no. And then when at the end, when everything went better, they were like, yay, like really loud. And then when they, and then when they, when they, when the planet died, they were like, oh no. And they were like, yay. And then I'm like, don't, 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 don't oversell it. No, I didn't say that. But. You should have. I saw this with kids. I saw this in the theater with kids as well. The, the And I'm not kidding. The kids reacted more to the trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie than they did to this movie. Uh I saw this in a theater with one other human being about my age uh, who was seated like two rows in front of me and over. So, which is among my favorite ways to see a movie. Like, well, I like you it. usually catch the matinees in the weekday. So you have pay less, right? 1230 on a Tuesday. So I don't expect, I, I also don't like crowds. Like I've, I've told you, like I've told these stories, like the theater going experience has been ruined for me more than once by other people in the theater. For some reason, we've lost the ability to just sit and watch movies together in somewhat close proximity. And I I don't know exactly who to blame for this, but I, if I ever figure it out, I'm going to kick them. I, I blame nice Dinkleberg. Word use there. I just blame Dinkleberg. That's, That's fair. Yes. Yeah, no, we've talked about this on a ton of the MCU reviews. That was, that was a big one. That was a, that was my, I think that was my turning point was my... Some of well, I'm sorry. Did you not say you're going to figure it out? No, uh, I said figure. You said figure. I assumed uh, that was one hell of a Freudian slip. It might have been. I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> if so it was, like, I thought you were making it obvious. Huh? Well, you gave me too much credit. <laughs> so if I, yeah, if, I mean, if I ever do find, if I ever do have the opportunity to kick Kevin Feige, I'm going to take it. Just for the record. All right. Is there uh, anything else we should talk about before we uh, get? I'm just noticing we're we're getting to an hour yeah, here. We'll so, is there anything else uh, anyone wants to talk to before we start going into the uh, later segments? I think they should call it Meh World, but that doesn't sound very good. Either. Yeah, but truth in advertising's been dead for a long time. If you're mm. interested in seeing this, just wait for it to be on Disney Plus. If you've still got one of those, if you've still got a subscription to that service, it's not worth your time. It's not worth your money. I think it's going to be popular for a little bit. I mean, I don't know. It's like because the thing is, when you think of like Disney characters, like I just I could just throw out some names: Ariel, Olaf, Maui. You know exactly who I'm talking about. If I said Searcher, Jaeger, Ethan, you're not gonna. You, you, no. I mean, maybe in this context of the film, but 
I feel like I feel like uh, like they're just they're just cliches. Obviously, Searcher is just the overprotective dad, and you know it's just it's a shame. But hopefully, and it's annoying because, and you'll probably get to this with all the money that, it, or lack of money. Um, the thing is, like, they're going to be like, the execs at Disney were going to be like, oh, this movie we didn't advertise or and or care about, because that's how people talk. And uh, they're going to be like, well, see, this is a 3D movie. Now, this is why people don't see animation, especially 2D movies, which we're never going to make now. So that, I mean, that just makes me angry. That just yeah, it really is annoying when something like this comes along, especially when we've talked about this on the Animation Historians Board that there is still such a stigma against animation as it being for kids, and we fight so hard for people to say it's like no, animation is for all ages, and then piece of crap like this comes on, we're like, uh, don't use this as an example. I don't oh, think okay. this is good. I don't think this movie is like like the same way Treasure Planet, another Disney movie, which was actually good and actually that did poor, have a, that poor movie. That movie's amazing. At least no, no, that I was going to say that movie had way better world building than this. No, no. When I say that poor movie, that's more about like the reality of it rather than the quality. Because I, I agree with you, quality wise, it's very good. But if you look up the like history of that film and how it got released and when it got released, like Disney marched that thing out there to die. Yeah. So I think, but that at least gets a cult following. I don't know. I don't know about this. Maybe like in ten years, people just because they grew up with it, they'll. But I don't see it becoming like. I don't. I. I don't think it's gonna. I think it's gonna not be like a big film. Like I don't which think. Is, I don't think anything about this film resonates at all with anyone, and consequently, it's gonna fade into the ether. Mm-hmm. I don't think stylistically there's enough to make it into a cult classic. I don't think performance-wise there's anything to make it into a cult classic. I don't think message-wise there's anything to make it into a cult classic. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You know, there are certain films that come up later years uh, and we and we love them now, but I don't think there's enough in its core. Because again, you're saying it's standard. I don't yeah. think there's. I don't think standard films become cult classics. Nope. And that's one of the worst movies because it's just like they're okay. Those make like you know what? Like say what you want about let's let's use Master of the Skies. We we talked about it. I made a joke. About, I made an excellent pun about it. Um, but let's just say like that's that is a so bad it's good movie. Or at least I think it is. Or at least I know people, a handful of people who love it just because they love to make fun of it. Exactly. Like you see, that was at least someone said, okay, this is bad but I can find joy out of it yeah. or a movie that's so good that speaks for itself. Okay. Or standard or just movies like this are just, they annoy me because I can't recommend them. I don't really want to watch them again. And it's just like this. They could have done better. Those are the worst movies in my opinion. Like I know technically worse. I know logically a bad movie is better than an okay movie. But you know what? At least we're at least we can find joy out of that. I'd rather watch a bad movie and have a good than time a, than a than, boring movie. Than a boring movie and just be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. Speaking of you know boring and eh, let's talk about how much money this thing didn't make. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that the wrong button? 
Oh, that's appropriate. <laughs> We're in the money. We're in the money. All right. Give me a second here, guys. This is my first time operating with. Uh... Okay, here we go. Oh, we're tiny. How do I make this? You're good. You're good there. Yeah. So okay. I guess, like, how do I make this bigger? It's like I, I would like our viewers to be able to read this. Okay. So, uh, Robert, you want to lead? Yeah, sure. So, Black Panther repeated, and I would be laughing at Mark if he were here because he was somewhat questioning that. It dropped again. Um, at another pretty pretty decent drop, another 60 plus percent or so. Not terribly surprising. Its total take was 2.2 million, which ought to tell you how down the weekend was, which is a which is a catastrophe for the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, by the way. Yeah, I don't think anyone made money this weekend. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't think we've seen a Thanksgiving weekend this bad since the plague started. Probably not. Uh, coming in at number two was the menu, which we gave a glowing review to. Hang on. Are you looking at the daily or are you looking at the weekend here? Um, I yeah, guess you're, you're looking at a single day. Oh, shit. Okay. Weekly. Good. And it comes up like this. Um, okay. Hang on. Uh, go to the homepage for this real fast. <laughs> Again, sorry, folks. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, weekend. So when they say the weekend, do they do they because this thing came out on Wednesday, or does that um, include that Wednesday? That's not right. Yeah, yeah, no, hang on, click on the specific date. This one, uh, the uh, top one, November twenty fifth to the twenty seventh, yeah. or the twenty fourth or twenty, yeah, yeah, twenty five to twenty seven. Okay, and it should be. Yeah, yep, there we go. here we go. Finally, we go. now we're good. A couple of minor bugs. So again, uh, now we're looking worldwide. Sorry, that was slightly different. Uh, numbers last time so black panther wakanda forever repeated at number one it's gross for the three-day weekend was 45 million uh that's a decrease of 31 percent from last week which is a pretty good holdover again it had a near 70 percent drop from its opening weekend which is a little steep but also not terribly unexpected only dropping an additional 31 is a pretty solid holdover uh, it's worldwide gross. We will get to at some point in the near future. When we talk about the worldwide strange world debuts at number two, taking in a whopping, whopping, whopping $12 million. It's we, we knew this was going to probably take not number one, but we knew it was going to start out strong on the grounds that this, I think this is like the only family film yep. that, that, I mean, that is not obvious, obvious Oscar bait. This I think this is the only movie that came out this over Thanksgiving weekend that we could see parents taking kids to. Yep, and I imagine none of them will see it next week. This thing has a very weak opening, and its second week drop is going to be brutal. Its total gross thus far is only $18 million. Catastrophic comes to mind. Opening at number three, we have Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. It's also it's going to be available on Netflix in the very near future, grossing $9.4 million been hearing a lot of critics say that we should go see glass onion actually in theaters on the grounds that we need to send a message to hollywood that this is the kind of movie we want to see because it's getting great reviews they're basically saying that don't wait till netflix we want people to know that this kind of a movie will make money 
I would encourage people to follow that trend, if at all possible. Opening at number four, we have Devotion, the World War II um, war drama starring What's-His-Face from uh, Top Gun Maverick and... Oh, is that Jonathan Majors? I think that? it is. Yeah, it's Majors. Yeah. So Kang meets Hangman. In the, in the skies over the Pacific battlefield during World War II. The menu took to, takes a pretty steep drop. It fell from two to five, grossing another 5.47 million. So 39% drop for a soft opening. Not great, but it also doesn't need a tremendous amount of money. Black Adam fell from four to six. The Fablemans got its wide release and went from number 17 last week to seven this week. So a pretty good jump for them. It's still struggling. Hmm. But uh, you know, good for them getting up there. Bones and All also had its wide release, going from number fifteen to number eight. Yeah, those again. They again, they got their wide releases, so a lot more stuff than that. Uh, mm -hmm. Ticket to Paradise, your sad attempt to save the. I saw someone describe Ticket to Paradise as a mid two thousands rom com time portaled into twenty from early two thousand to twenty twenty two, an attempt to save the genre. I mean, right down to the same actors, because that's uh, Julia Roberts and uh, George Clooney. Fell from five to nine. The Chosen, season three, episodes one and two, fell from three to ten. She said 11, uh, six to eleven. Lyle Lyle Crocodile, seven to twelve. Smile, eight to thirteen. Pray Isn't Smile for... now available on Paramount Plus? I believe so. Smile is yes. Pray for the Devil, nine to fourteen. And at number ten, we have the Banshee, the Banshees of Inisherin, your presumptive best picture Oscar favorite. Uh, so that was number 15. Yeah, last week was 10. So yeah. 10, 15. And at number 16, The Failed Woman King. Um, that, uh, also, as far as... Wouldn't it be King, Woman Queen? Sorry. That's sexist of you, sir. Anyone can be a king. Oh, a Burger King. At least, at least I've been told that. Uh, all, other openings for the weekend. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed open at number 23. Uh, Leonore Will Never Die. Well, good for him. Sure. At number 30. I've never even heard of this production company, Music Box Films. Me neither. And I think that's it as far as new releases go. Yeah. Yep. All right. Worldwide box office coming up. Uh, worldwide at the moment. Not much has changed. Top Gun Strange Maverick. worldwide. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick we at number you, one Zachary. with $1.48 Jurassic World Dominion, a little over a billion dollars. Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Missed Opportunity, Minions, The Rise of Gru, beating out the Batman. The Batman can't beat the Minions, folks. Thor, Love, and Thunder couldn't even beat the Batman. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, up to number seven. How? Do, it, okay, so what's our prediction? How do we think that uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is going to get... Well, we know, we're pretty sure it's going to beat Thor, Love, and Thunder. I think we all agreed that. I my big question is whether or not it beats the Batman, and at this point, I tend to think it might, but not having a release in China is really hurting that thing. Definitely. As far as far as like the way upward bounds, um, at the moment it's six hundred seventy-eight million dollars. Thor: Love and Thunder is seven hundred and sixty, so we're looking at around a, it needs around ninety million to beat that. It's probably it's probably going to do that by the end of its run. The Batman 770 is probably looking about where Thor Love and where Wakanda Forever is going to top out. Our Chinese propaganda feature for the year, Watergate Bridge, sitting at number eight. Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore at number nine. Sonic the Hedgehog at number My two. My boy. 
Hey, all Sonic the Hedgehog. We we gave Sonic the Hedgehog a glowing review. We all said am, we enjoyed it. I like I, it. I am still very disappointed in all of you out there that we couldn't get that above Fantastic Beasts for the record. Here's all the movies doing better than Morbius, Uncharted, Black Adam, Elvis, The Bad Guys, Bullet Train, Lightyear, Too Cool to Kill, Smile, Nice View, DC Lug of Super Pets, The Lost City, and Nope. Movies not doing as well as Morbius. One Piece uh-huh. film Red, Ticket to Paradise, The Black Phone, Where the Crawdads Scream, Where the Crawdads Sing, Scream, Death on the Nile, Halloween it's Ends, right. Everything All at Once, RRR, The Roundup, Downton Abbey, The Failed Woman King, KFG, and I think we can leave it there. Now, please, if you would, scroll down until we find. I wish to see uh, Strange World on this list. All right, keep your eyes peeled, guys. Oh, of course, Avatar got a re release. It did. As they're trying to bolster, they're doing everything they can to try and generate interest in Way of Water. Even spending money, because that's what they want to do, right? That's not the opposite of what they want. Yeah. They did a Joker re-release? I missed that. I didn't see it either, but good. There it is. Number. <laughs> there it is. Number, <laughs> six... Number sixty-nine. Nice. Somebody had to do it. Strange World. Right under the unbearable weight of massive talent, it will barely beat out a Nicolas Cage movie. It is making less than the Joker 2022 re-release at the moment. It's making less than the Avatar re-release at the moment. Yes, it is. So, this thing is a total bomb. It's going to lose... Variety's predicting around $100 million. Deadline has it as high as $147 million loss that this is going to crank up for Disney. Uh... Don't know what to tell you, people, but... Yeah, sorry, Disney, but this has not been a good year for you, and that is truly depressing. Well, maybe I... they should put more effort into their films. One... Undoubtedly. Would be a nice thought, wouldn't it? Yeah. Seriously, well, this it... has been a horrible year for the mouse. If they didn't have a handful of Marvel movies to lean on, they'd be in real trouble. I think more the Marvel TV shows have been picking up the slack than the Marvel movies. In theory, that kind of depends on how much you want to trust Chapek. Like, I'm not a big fan of Bob Iger. Uh, no one is. No one is. But he's back in power. The shareholders should be about ready to sue. I mean this in all sincerity. If you own stock in Disney, pursue your legal options for what they're doing to your money. But... Chapek kind of manipulation broadcasting network is not responsible for any lost stock. Don't come after us. If you listen to Robert, I didn't say sell it. I said, pursue legal options, two different things. Doesn't matter. I'm throwing in another disclaimer. Okay. Fair enough. I am not, I am not in any way, shape, form or fashion certified or qualified to give financial advice. The, but uh, Chapek, if you look at the numbers, that Chapek was kind of talking about, he did some nothing illegal. Be very clear about that, as far as I know. But he moved stuff around to make it look like Disney Plus was doing better than it was. Uh, so there's a real question about, you know, how good that's doing exactly at the moment. So that remains to be seen. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a rough year for Disney, man. And it's going to get rougher next year. You mean the hundredth year of magic? Oh, I'm sorry, wonder. It should have just been magic. It really should have. Yeah, it really should have. Well, they're still kind of try. They're still trying to release Indiana Jones Five next year, and 
I'm not going to get into it. We're going to have enough crap when the trailer drops with the network chat. <sighs> I'm not looking long, forward to that. Here's the long and the short of that movie, for the record. I'm, again, I'm not going into details here. If you're curious, uh, feel free to ask me later. They ha That movie got shut down due to COVID, so it got more expensive. It has had extensive, it had extensive reshoots, which are expensive. At the moment, there are something like five possible endings. So they all had to be shot and they are test screening all of them and no one is liking this. That movie right now, I think the number I saw being floated was this thing is costing Disney because Disney owns Lucasfilm somewhere in the neighborhood of like $600 million as we stand right now. Ow. And it's only going to get worse if the, pr again, because people who see test screenings, like they sign NDAs, but some of them don't care. If the people who have who have claimed to have seen some of these screenings, if what they're saying about the ending is true, oh boy. I don't call for riots all that often. They're a very ugly thing. But I will pull out my bad German accent and say it's just about time. Time we, we had one. one. Thank you. Knew you were pulling <laughs> that one out. Are you kidding? I spent I spent the entirety of yesterday making Mel Brooks references for Cocaine Bear. I, I was gonna, but I was gonna find that one. And so. yes, folks, we will be reviewing Cocaine Bear when it comes out. Uh, it is because not Jason a... threatened to kill us if we don't. I guess that movie's gonna blow. <laughs> All right. Anything else you need to talk about for the money? No, and it's way too late now to pull Pinkie Pie back out again. All righty. So, again, that's where we stand financially. Um, what do we got? Next week is Violent Night, which I imagine will take the second spot. I don't quite see it dethroning Black Panther, even in its, thir even in its third week. I see it taking number three, personally. I don't. I know it's going to get good reviews, but I, considering it's an R-rated Christmas film, I do not see it uh, getting making enough money to take second spot i think it's more about how far strange world falls like this thing is going to take a big fall mm -hmm. and i mean look assuming it falls 50 percent, which is not terrible like that's not out of the realm of possibility you're already down to like 15 million ish i can see violent night pulling in a number to beat that so again that's kind of my loose prediction i think it might take the second spot but this thing's going down hard, and um, Black Panther, again, will probably take the th top spot again, just by default, more than because it's necessarily earned it. But I don't think there's any major blockbuster films coming out for the rest of the year. Um, scroll up for a sec. We can go to... What about the, Avatar? Again, I don't think there's any big <laughs> blockbuster... Oh, come on. Avatar... Look, I think Way of Water is going to... Go to the calendar real fast. That should tell us what's coming up. Right. So our domestic release schedule, that's for this week. Can you scroll out a little bit? Yeah, there Sorry. we go. Uh, you're good, you're good. The, 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 the sizing changes for this section is all. Okay, so for the rest I of November. I apologize. When I, when I do the sharing screen, I actually have to go to the other one, and it's taking up all of my computer screen. So I 
have to jump back to see how big it is. I, I think, does Mark have two computer screens that he uses for this, or am I just lazy? Uh, he might have two monitors. I'd have to double check. All right, because it's a little hard to jump back and forth on one computer screen. No, I, I got you. So... Uh, we don't have anything real major coming out for the rest of the month. Next up, again, we have Violent Night coming up. We're doing uh, a re-release of uh, Top Gun Maverick. It doesn't need it. It really doesn't, but you know what? Go see it. It's a fun <laughs> movie. So we have Violent Night, the David Harbour vehicle, getting good reviews. Uh, that is kind of the only wide release for that week. Next, because December is weird... Uh, we're not getting a lot of major reviews, uh, major films. We're getting a we lot have... of Oscar bait, obviously. We've got The yeah, Whale coming a... out. It's that time of year. So you got The yeah. Whale, which is a little bit Oscar baity. Um, Empire of Light is our wide release. That's not much of anything. Father Stew is in wide release. Uh, the... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. no. Just stop. You, you, you're good. You're good. You're good. They're re-releasing Conan the Barbarian. I can go watch that. I have not seen that on a big screen. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> Sorry, I am just very happy. Uh, December 14th, uh, A Man Called Otto has its limited release. Yeah, there's nothing. Pause here. Nothing uh, major until December 16th with Avatar The Way of Water. Puss and Boots. The week after on the 21st. So Avatar will win its weekend. Um, but it... I mean, James Cameron has talked about this pretty openly. That thing has to make $2 billion just to be profitable. Why? <laughs> it's not going to do that. It's a, it's over three hours long. Because Disney got cocky. Oh, no. Fox got cocky. Handed James Cameron a blank check. And no one freaking checked in with him. Yeah, so that... Again, I'm sorry, I, you know that's what happened. Oh, no, that's absolutely... He, they gave him money, and he said, okay, I'm going to develop new technology. And they went, good, sounds great. And they, no one bothered to understand what he... Because I don't think he lied to them about that. Like you said, I want to develop new filming technology for underwater material. And they went, great, have fun. And they didn't realize how expensive a proposition that is. He's also, like, the 800... Like, the, you know, almost billion dollars that he spent on this thing... Includes partial shooting of, like, the two sequels. <laughs> it's a disaster, but it's going to win its weekend. It's just not going to make what it needs to make, is kind of my prediction. Puss in Boots comes out the week after that. That's December 21st. I imagine that wins its weekend. Light, family-friendly fare. It's well-known property. We're all good there. I like um, the animation style they're going with it. Yeah, they're trying to make it look more like Spider-Verse than yeah, I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say, they're doing a Spider-Verse thing, and I would have been so much happier if they had just not used that god-awful song in the preview. I hate that song. I remember I was watching, I think the kids in the back, I heard one guy, one little kid was like, when Puss in Boots came on, it was a trailer right before the movie started. He yeah. was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> So again, that'll be your family movie of the year of the week. It's again, it's only a hundred minutes long, so uh, that'll be fine. And December twenty third, not much. We have the have Whitney Babylon. Houston biopic. Yeah, you got the Whitney Houston biopic, and then you've got Babylon, the prestige three hour Oscar Beatty piece of crap. Does just no one have to go to the bathroom anymore? 
I imagine everyone just like has a bottle with them. Like th th this is my only thought on this. So we'll be either reviewing. that or movie theaters are now charging extra for a second empty cola cup or catheters. They're what they're going to wind up doing is charging to go to the restroom in the near future would be my guess. Uh, so we've got Babylon, which we will be reviewing. God help us. And that will wrap up 2022 as far as wide releases go. So our Oscar bait uh, movie discussion will be early in 2023, but that's where the year will end with Babylon falling. You know, there's someone, symbolism and then there's this. Someone, then, someone mentioned a while ago that, you know, the the Danube River is at a historic low and was like started and you could start to see like sunken remains of battleships from World War II. And I believe the tweet was, I'm just asking for less obvious metaphors, please. Well, it's because they were Nazi battleships. Yeah, that too. Uh, there were, uh, that was the way it was framed. I, there were both, there were like multiple national, national battleships in there, but yeah. And no, now I, I know. Cause I shared that. Cause yeah, yeah I yeah. remember that picture. Yeah. And this one, uh, you're just, I, I'm a religious guy. And I know what happens to people and cultures when they start thumbing their nose at God like this, and it's not good. We're asking for it. <laughs> not to preach it, anyone, but yeah, that's the year, and I believe that means we are set up for the critical review. Yay, January! That's when all the good movies come out, right? 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 Fresh New Year! Are you ready? I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Didn't mean to cut you off, by the way, Zach. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. It actually made the joke kind of funnier that it was cut off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Strange World is sitting. Uh, critics give it 74%. Audiences give it 65%. Strange Ew. World is a Disney milestone in terms of representation, but as a storytelling experience, this dazzling, dazzling, I hate this word, dazzlingly animated adventure offers little audiences haven't already seen. So let me, let me do my usual thing about explaining the critical score here. No one wants to give this a bad review for fear of being called a bigot. I wonder why. <laughs> All right. Uh, Robert, you want me to go ahead and pick some? By all means. Okay. Do you want me to find positive ones or negative ones? Whatever you think will set me off the most. All right. Okay, let's see here. Kate Roger from News Hub, New Zealand. I was so very pleasantly surprised at just how great this film was, brimming with adventure and color and love and a genuinely unexpected trajectory. Okay. And then and then they stopped and then he finished writing and they took the gun away from his head. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him they gave him back his loved ones. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that is a sickening review. Like no. I actually like uh, Adam Does Movies review here. Strange World is a fine little film that no one will see. At least not in theaters. And you probably don't need to waste your time with it elsewhere. Let's see here. 
Sandy Angulo Chen from Common Sense Media says Disney deserves credit for promoting an inclusive story that isn't preachy or overwrought. Okay. okay. I can't believe we actually didn't bring this up before, but this is something we do need to talk about. Strange World yeah. is the first film to have an openly gay character. We have Ethan, Disney. who is gay, and he's got a crush on a guy with the dumbest name on the planet. How is it, and I mean this sincerely, how is it that this small group of people on the, living on this turtle's back still created hipster teenagers? Yeah. Like how? His names, the kids, the Ethan's friends' names are Cardez, Azimuth, and Diazzo. What horrible I, You know what? I bet one of the writers just took the names of kids from their, like, from a local preschool in, in Southern California. I would bet on it. Um, again, like, no. First of all, this actually is kind of a preachy movie when you get down to it, believe it or not. Like, it it's not just having a point of view. It is actually preachy. It's not overwrought, thankfully, but your notion that, well, this is so, isn't it just so great that we included a gay character? You get four out of five stars on my review. Like, so that's all it takes. That's how shallow your criticism is. I'm sorry. Gay characters deserve better than Ethan. And I like how it's like they didn't go. Like you say what you want about Lightyear. I mean, they didn't go all the way, but it was like at least they showed like like the two two women kissing. At least I mean it was a blink and you miss it moment. But at least and they, I'm glad that they included. I'm glad they stood up for it. I'm glad they didn't edit it. I mean, they lost a lot of money, but they still... A they, lot. Oh, so much money. But anyway, at least with this, I feel like they could have edited out. Like, it was like... They could have even made it like a female character. No one would have thought twice. Could have made it a... Oh, don't make me... You're going to get me in trouble. I'm not going to say it. All right. They, you could have made it a male-presenting female non-binary character. It, it's still not going to get into China. And it's not. <laughs> so, they didn't submit. Do you have any idea how many places they didn't actually submit this movie to? Again, it's not in China. It's not yeah. in any not country in, in the Middle East. None of the Middle Eastern countries. It's not anywhere in Indonesia. It's not. Like, there's so many places that. Uh, look, you can say this rightly or wrongly. I don't have a problem with gay characters. But. If you're going to make this point, understand what you're doing to yourself financially. And if you're spending almost $200 million on a movie, you have to consider these things. Agreed. Again, I thought the gay relationship between Ethan and Diazzo, I, I die a little inside every time I have to say that kid's name, was handled well. I thought the storytelling around it was not terrible. But this movie does not build it up enough to make it a point that is really worth saving in the film. Yeah. They're, they're trying to go half pregnant with this. Mm -hmm. yeah, he's gay and no one cares because he's gay and there's nothing wrong with being gay. Okay. If that's the point you're going to take, you just need to understand how little that means. What is going on there affects your movie. And that's kind of what happened here. Like we wanted to do it. So they did it. And it's just, gonna cost them a giant pile of money all right johnny gaze monic from fanboys oh, of the universe why? i'm guessing you love that person that's why you made that noise 
I wish to curb stomp this guy. <laughs> it's hard to shake the idea that we've seen so much of this before, but it's bold and hypnotic visuals still make it not. worth seeing in a theatrical setting. It may not be the fantastic voyage ever created, but it's fun enough while it lasts. You were high when you watched this, weren't you? I assume so. He was on the acid inside the turtle's stomach. He had, he had one of those, uh, he had one of them, like, LSD-laced marijuana things before going on this, I assume. Which, no. Yeah, I'm just going to say anyone here who says that the, that the visuals overshadow anything else with this movie either was high or still says Avatar is the greatest film of all time. Either or, and you can't take those people seriously. No, you can't. Oh, yeah. wait. Sorry, I is. will <laughs> never get tired of insulting Avatar. That's fair. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, there he is. There he is. There he is. Kevin Carr, fat guys at the movies, our nemesis. Hey, Kevin Carr. Have you been gaining weight? Because it sure looks like it. Kevin Carr, fat guy at the movies. The look of the film is brilliant with a positively Ooh. Disney-esque story, Ooh. but still has a little bit of a spark missing. True. You're trying real hard to be nice to this thing, aren't you? Because, I'm sorry, here's the other thing about this movie. There's nothing Disney about it. And I mean that. Like, besides this, the besides the very pretty logo at the beginning and yep. at the end of the movie. By the way, there's nothing happens at the end of the movie. I made that mistake. Uh, yeah. Again, other than the logo, this is not a Disney movie, and it's very obvious. I think we found a tick bird review here from mm. I Let Deckel from Midnight East. A fun-filled journey through a quirky, vividly rendered, and alluring world with travel companions who are likable, relatable characters. Sorry. Okay, first of all, learn how to use your commas, lady. Yes. Second, who in the world is relatable out of this group of people? <laughs> no kidding. None of, none of them are fleshed out enough to actually constitute a human being, much less anything that's relatable. All right. Looking for some of our other usual guys. All right. Sarah Michelle Fetters, moviefreak.com, top critic. It's Disney, it's Disney riffing in ways that are reminiscent of the Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Oh, Stick. get bent! <laughs> nope. Making this journey to the center of the Earth-style adventure a visually imaginative treat the whole family is certain to enjoy. Oh, you're going to speak for my family now. Good for you. Yeah, this no. is nowhere near. Okay, first of all, the whole riffing thing? No. As we established, making fun of your writing does not count as riffing, especially in the ways of The Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Stitch. Those movies knew what they were doing. Yep. The writers knew how to have the tongue-in-cheek humor. I mean, Emperor's New Groove is more a Looney Tunes cartoon than a Disney cartoon most of the time. Yeah, probably why it's one of my favorites. Again, like, it works. I'm not knocking it, but as a stylistic observation. Okay, Richard Whitt Whitaker of Austin Chronicle. A rewarding continuation of the studio's recent narrative fascination with overcoming divides rather than evil. And I'm not going to lie, that's actually something that I'm getting tired of. 
I know that there is more to movies than just having a central antagonist. I know that it's been great that we've had so many of these films that focus more on bringing people together rather than fighting evil. But I miss good Disney villains. Yes. Disney, the current crop of Disney creatives do not understand how important villains are to Disney stories. It's You want to tell a story about overcoming divides. I'm not saying you can't. Like I said, you can have a story that's uh, central antagonist light or even absent. Like Moana. Yeah, Moana, Moana gave us a good... It was about mending divides. But it still gave us a secondary antagonist with, um, Zach, help me. What's the name of the crab? Oh, um, Tamatoa. Tamatoa. Uh, thank, yes. thank you. Save me. Yes. Cause I was just I'm calling sorry. Mr. Tamatoa's crab. got one, got an amazing villain song and I love that they included him. He's not the central antagonist, but he's a fun antagonist and he's a good Disney antagonist. I think it's just because all the villains lately have been twist villains. And the thing is, they don't want you don't want to advertise because it's a spoiler. Yeah, stop that. People yeah, are I mean, you. yeah, it's like just because I mean, and I I hate complaining about that because some of my favorite Disney films have had twist villains. I stand by the twist villain in Wreck It Ralph is one of the best written twists in an animated film in recent years. I yeah, mean, you could do that. I mean, what you can do is like with Lotso, I mean, where you reveal it's halfway through. You can do it like meet halfway where you reveal it. And then that way we, it's not too much of a spoiler. I mean, it's a little bit, but it's like, but then you get to see them do evil stuff. Like, yeah. Like yeah. imagine, imagine if like Ursula wasn't a villain, like you only knew halfway through. I mean, you could still oh, have just, fun. Just wait. I, you know, you just know with the Little Mermaid, you know, they're going to screw that up. You know they're going to... Everyone's out. excited for it. I'm like, you guys weren't excited for Pinocchio, I'll tell you that. I'm excited for David Diggs as Sebastian and Aquafina, Aquafina as Scuttle and Lin-Manuel Miranda as the chef. That okay. is literally the only thing I'm excited about for that movie. I'm excited about nothing for that movie. Straight I'm not. I, uh, their track record hasn't been very good. I'm sorry. It, it hasn't. They... I mean, we did this when we talked Pinocchio. They've struggled to to even like equal the success of one of the first ones of these, which was the Cinderella remake. When you're still struggling this hard, like, un you have to understand the brief here, people. And I mean this. You have to give people a reason to watch your live action version instead of the animated. And if you don't do something with that, while also maintaining everything about the original that people want to see, you're going to fail. And sorry, I have no faith in you at this point not to turn. You're going to you're going to turn Ursula into like the cast off ex lover of Triton who was wronged by her. And she's the one who's in the right the whole time. Even though in the original plot, she was actually his sister. Ew. Yeah, again, like just. But you know what they're going to do. You can just tell because this is what they're doing with all of them. And it's stupid and painful. Agreed. Okay. Uh, here we go. Matthew Huff from AV Club, top critic. Strange World feels like a new iteration of Disney, one that is more thoughtful and inclusive without sacrificing any of the humor or fun. Ex uh, except for sacrificing all of the humor and the fun. Yeah. Because there was humor and fun in this thing? 
Alleged. News to me. I didn't find any. And, and how many of these idiots are like, boy, it sure is nice to see something about, like, it's nice to see inclusion. Yeah, okay. How about you judge the movie fairly? Eh? How about that? Oh, my God. Okay, listen to this. Jana Monji from Age of the Geek. This amusing oh, no, 3D animated feature avoids the traps of colonialism and imperialism of the lost world genre for a family-friendly adventure with a co cooperative environmentalist theme. And I'm going to go duck into the foxhole while Robert explodes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay. Dear moron. The vast majority of Lost World genre books aren't actually about colonialism. They're about exploration. Most of them, like especially, especially if we're talking like Jules Verne style, they're not actually about what we can strip mine. It's just about the thrill of exploration more than anything else. Stop imposing your postmodernist deconstructionism on everything retroactively. It's stupid and jades you and makes you very cynical. It makes you think that sophistic crap like this is good. You have just dulled your own senses to the point of obscurity and rendered your opinion and your ability to talk about these things coherently inert. Shame on you. And shame on whoever pays you. Like I said, I'm trying to find more of our usual guys here. Not seeing a lot. If you see one, uh, well, like... I'll yeah, they didn't know the movie existed. I wonder if this was actually screened for critics, for the record. Like it's. I like this one from uh, Barry Hertz, Globe and Mail. The promises of Strange World are almost as big as its disappointments. Not <laughs> it's wrong, funny. That's not wrong at all. Oh, wait, wait, no, go back. Read our, read our jackass from Variety. Ah, uh, here we go. That haunted toilet paper. It's the characters as much as the environment that make this vibrant journey to the center of the Earth-style adventure movie colorful and diverse in all the best ways. I defy you to actually describe the characters. I, I defy you to actually tell me the plot of Journey to the Center of the Earth. That too. Seriously, this is, I, I seriously want to know this. We are seeing a theme here with these reviews. So many of them are citing Journey to the Center of the Earth. And I, I'm not against the comparison as a whole because there is a lot to take away from it. Yeah. But I would like to know how many of these jackasses have actually read Journey to the Center of the Earth and not just seen the Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. I bet none of these idiots have ever even seen the original film adaptation of Journey to the Center of the Earth. It's a very good movie, by the way. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's not good, and you know what, buddy? Here's what I really defy you to do. Name five characters. Because I could give you three. I couldn't, no, the dog doesn't count. <laughs> Can you name five characters from Journey to the Center of the Earth? It's been way too long since I've read it. It was a time I could have. All right, is there anyone else in here that we like to give the middle finger to? Uh, let's see. 
Correction. Uh, is there anyone here that we like to give the middle finger to whose opinion we actually don't agree with? Because I know we've cited this guy. Roger, again, like I'm happy to tear apart Roger Moore if I dis uh, depending on the individual thing. Uh, I think he's correct here. The film's stumbling unoriginality, cliched characters, and joyless jokes that land like flops from a constipated greenhouse gassy cow are in every <laughs> ounce of ire I can summon. You know, <laughs> I yeah, you no <laughs> Heart of a poet. <laughs> I we're not getting better than that one for all right that's statement. the last page guys all right well I believe on that note we're about done here so thank you all very much for tuning in Zach where can the people find you well usually and by usually I mean like twice um I like to plug but uh, there is a specific book that's on Amazon where you can find my other books if you type in Zachary Strobel books um so there's a book i wrote actually oh i actually want to do my narrator voice my, right. my pitchman's okay hey you here actually have I, you... Found the, I got the page for you let's see here come on up here we go yep here's zach's books ladies and gentlemen awesome yeah go, uh the third one down from the bottom the one it's called friendship sanctuary uh it is an environmental book but it's not preachy it's pretty it's kind of like looney tunes meets star wars meets uh alice in wonderland and yes we do pull it off and we make it our own thing um it is a little like more expensive but there is a discount as you can see um i want to really push that book because i feel like it was more of a environmental world building. Imagine Zootopia, but you know, in the beginning of Zootopia, you know, they said the world was split in half where it was first, it was half like prey and half like predators. Beast, predators. And I was like, why don't we make that movie? So my friend Camille and I, we kind of made it. So it's kind of like an unofficial, but not really thing to Zootopia where the world is kind of like that. And I, it has a really, it's, if I if you are gonna buy it, please buy the color edition. It's a little more expensive than the original version, but it is in color, and the color really worked really hard. I had a really good uh, artist. His name is uh, Michael Agafoteo. He worked really hard on it, though. Um, so, and uh, I storyboarded this thing, so it looks. It took like a year and a half to make, so I'm really proud of it. Uh, that's, it's kind of, that's kind of the stuff I kind of want. I wish Strange World was kind of like, so if you want to see a good environmental movie, in my opinion, I'm not being that because I co-wrote it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's the book I want to, I want to push, but not like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Christmas also is coming up. So if you need a book gift for people in your life, you think might enjoy it right there. See, Don't I want to push Quail Tales, The Adventures of Button and Button Surprise, The Grand Prize Beagle, and... Don't do Kid Astri. That one, I that was a favor. That one. that Don't read the synopsis either. Um, <laughs> Dinosaurs on the Moon, that's our top seller. Yeah. Wait, where the heck is the... Where's the book that I helped? Uh, that uh, I helped with the cover. It's not showing up in the search. Which one? Um... Oh my God! What was the name? Uh, the night clerk, night. Deborah, the the retail weasel, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it sh it should be there. I don't know why that's not there. Maybe is it on the next page? Oh, by the way, I'm not related to Lee Strobel, so if oh, there it is, there it is. Yeah, I did the. I got to do the cover art for this. Yeah, and you did a great job. I will say that. 
Thank you. You're welcome. If you've ever worked retail, that thing speaks to your soul. I actually never, well, I used to work at Burger King, but uh, I, it's kind of like retail with burgers. But uh, I actually met my friend who works at a supermarket. So, like, she gave me a lot of, I actually, did, actually, before I released it, I said, is this accurate? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. I, I've worked at uh, various, like, supermarket adjacent places. Um, again, like, my first job was Kmart. And uh, the joke when I left there was I could see the pieces of my soul scattered around the store whenever I walked around. You're like, yep, yep, I remember. I was right over there. That's where that part of my soul went when I had to do that. Or, oh, my boss talked to me over there for 20 minutes about nothing. And there's part of my sanity that got left behind. On, on aisle three, clean up on aisle three. I was the cleanup guy because I was the only one in my position who stuck around long enough for anyone in the front to remember my name. So, yeah, that was fun. Alexis, you make jewelry and other things. I certainly do. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. In fact, you know what? Let me see if I can actually, now that I've finally learned how to freaking do this, let me see if I can pull up my page. Fair warning, guys. Now that I have the technology, you will be putting up with a lot of this. So, yes. You were pretty. Oh, thank you. Yes, the intersection of geek and chic. We make jewelry out of re uh, repurposed game pieces. Everything is 100% upcycled. Uh, we're just winding down our uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale. We decided to extend it for one more day for those who got maybe a little too busy with family and stuff this weekend to do any shopping. Of course, we will be continuing our charity drive in that up until Christmas Eve, for every order that is placed from either this, this is our uh, Etsy shop, or from our uh, handmade at Amazon shop, we will be donating $5 to St. Jude's Children's uh, Hospital. We do this uh, every year, really looking forward to it. So, you know, if you're looking for some fun, funky, geeky jewelry as gifts, or maybe as a little treat for yourself, remember that every purchase you make will also be helping a child in need through St. Jude's. Of course, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Sorry, I was having a little trouble with the button there. It didn't want to work for me. Okay, there it that goes. <laughs> Still learning those buttons. Again, that's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. All right, as for myself, you can find me covering mixed martial arts and professional wrestling over at 411mania.com. I cover AW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW stuff on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday. Uh, and the UFC events on Saturday. There was a UFC event this week. Uh, UFC on ESPN 40-something. Uh, they're in Orlando, Florida, so they have to put effort into the card. Your main event is Stephen Thompson and Kevin Holland. It's not a terrible card, actually, top to bottom. If you want a full preview, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast on Sunday evenings. I fixed my tech issue, so you do not hear my aquarium in the background anymore. It was rather embarrassing when I realized that. So you can listen to that um, again, wherever you're listening to this uh, on your podcast platform of choice, you can punch in that and you should be able to find me there. Thank you all very much for listening. Please come back next week. We will be reviewing the David Harbor. Hello. Uh, Christmas. <laughs> Wrong holiday, Robert. Look, I was, I, I tried to say Christmas and horror at the same time. And for some reason it came out Halloween, uh, the Christmas themed horror action movie. Uh, Violent Night again. David Harbour stars as Santa Claus. John Leguizamo's in it. 
It's been getting pretty good reviews. Uh, my friend Jeff Harris, who we cite here on occasion, actually got quote tweeted by the official Twitter account for them because he was kind to it. So good on you, Jeff. I have a question before we go. Yes. Um, I know it's not getting I, – I don't know. Well, actually, it's, it's part of my question. Um, is Pinocchio the, the good one, uh, the one we did not review, um, the one – with the guy whose name I'm going to say wrong. Guillermo, Guillermo del, del Toro. Toro. Yes, I was going to say his. Yes. Uh, del, I'll just say Del Toro. Is that one getting a, like at least a limited release or is it going like yeah. straight to Netflix? No, it, it has a limited theatrical release. It's apparently um, it, not close enough that I'm going to drive to go see it, but it is somewhere around me. Uh, it, it is getting some theatrical release before it goes to Netflix, so it might be in your area. Give it a check if you're curious. Uh, we will be reviewing that after it drops. Yeah, um, yeah, we're going to review that on uh, the twelfth. Zach, you want to come back for that? Yes, I would like to review a good movie. <laughs> I mean, uh, Robert, right now I think it's just listed as you and me. Uh, I, I don't know if Mark's going to sit in on that one or not. Usually, so. okay. He's, I mean, but yeah, Zach, if you want to come back for that one, we'd love to have you on, man. There's not a lot else for as far as uh, animation for the rest of the year. Um, I need to talk to Mark actually about uh, filling up January with some animation reviews on the grounds that there is nothing movie-wise to review in now, that month. Now is the winter of our discontent. Brace yourself. Winter of discontent, winter of getting some sleep. All right. So, yeah, that's what you have to expect from us coming up in the future. Movies, television, all the same stuff. We thank you very, very much, as always, for watching slash listening. However you have found us, however you continue to find us, we appreciate it. Interact with the product, if at all you can. Like, comment, subscribe, if that's at all relevant. If you're watching on Twitch, give us a follow. Follows are free. If you're listening somewhere else, star rating, written review. Again, anything that can help the horrible eldritch abomination that are the uh, machine learning algorithms that track this kind of stuff. We appreciate it. If you've done any and all of that, and you think you know people who might enjoy our products, share us around. We're, we're all free love that way, right? Well, free content, if nothing else, emphasis on the free, because none of us get paid. <laughs> all right, on that somewhat happy note, thank you all as always. Uh, thank you to Zach, thank you to Alexis. Had a good time. I'm Robert. Remember to be well, be safe, and behave. And don't do drugs.